Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? Today is our second bonus that was won by Lisa. So thank you very much for bringing this episode to us. I had no idea that any of this took place. I wasn't even aware of this case. So I am very glad that we are bringing this story to you guys today of Sandra Bland. Yes, these are the types of cases that we hope to obtain where we have no prior knowledge of it, where there's something majorly unsolved in the situation. Lisa, thank you so much for picking this case because if it wasn't for you, it may have not have even been seen or done. This is a prime example of police officers being in control that should not have control. Sandra is a very loud spirit. So we will be able to break this down pretty easily for you guys. So let's spit off all these facts and get going. Sandra Annette Bland was born February 7th, 1987. She was from Naperville, Illinois, and she lived in a suburb of Chicago. She was one of five sisters. Now she is already coming in and talking about things. But yes, she loves her sisters and she sees how much they have worked so hard to make sure that her story has been heard, even though she didn't have a voice anymore. So she just wanted to mention that first. She had gone to William Brook High School in Villa Park and then she ended up going to Prairie View A&M University. And I believe that was located in Texas. She even was part of a sorority and she graduated in 2009 with a degree in agriculture. She says that she was really smart and she wanted to make the best of it. She shows me that she was very confident in her career and her career choices. She wanted to go somewhere and she wanted to make sure she lived her life to the fullest potential and made that money. She also shows me that while getting there, she ran into a lot of race-related issues where people would try to stand in her way, and she says it was not easy, but she pushed through those boundaries anyways, despite being African-American. At Prairie View, she was recruited as a summer counselor for three years and also played in a marching band and volunteered as a senior citizen advocate. She is sitting here laughing about her band, She said it was so geeky and she said it was ridiculous, but she said she made it cool again. She said she loved being in a band and not everybody was about it, but she had such a passion for it. So anything she could do to be out there musically, she was going to take advantage of. Might I add, as I was doing the Bob Marley episode, Sandra was also someone I was kind of communicating with in the background, and she's kind of been laughing and flirting with him, and it was actually pretty funny. She was taken back by him, and she just wanted me to mention that in this episode, that she got to hang out with Bob Marley. Who definitely wouldn't love hanging out with Bob Marley? Well, I'm glad she got to experience that. I wish that I could be hanging out with him, too. Anyways, she did that for a few years, and then... In 2009, she headed back to Illinois where she worked in an administration for Cook's Direct, which we believe is a food service equipment supplier, a job she left shortly before her death. She had been due to start a temporary job in August of 2015. 
She kept showing me that the job she was working at was very difficult for her. She said that people were not nice. She showed me that she had a hard time mentally and she tried to give it her all, but unfortunately she couldn't handle it anymore. So she found this temporary job because she could handle the stress a little bit easier and she figured she'd give this new job a go and she really had nothing else to lose. In January of 2015, Sandra had begun posting videos about many subjects, including police mistreating of the African-American community. And one post she wrote had been about surrendering to police officers and still being killed. She actually wanted to make a lot of headways with that particular channel as well. And I know she gets a lot of views on it now, or at least she did, but she's showing me that she wishes that she had the opportunity to make it bigger. But anyways... She also shows me she obviously experienced her own issues with police officers, but she also had seen many others as well and wanted everyone to understand what was going on, especially in her hometown, especially where she came from. She wanted to really just put a stop to it. People make mistakes all the time, but they should not be killed over it. And she felt scared to be in her own skin most of the time. Sandra did have at least 10 previous traffic-related encounters with police in Illinois and also in Texas, and she had been charged on five different occasions for her driving without insurance, four times for speeding, and once each for driving while intoxicated and also drug possession. When it comes to the insurance side of things, she shows me that she was struggling financially, and it was either pay your rent or get some food and pay your insurance, and she had to make the choices she made to survive. Obviously, she regrets getting behind a wheel, um, but she said she didn't have another way to get to work and it wasn't purposely done. She did it because of her own financial crisis and really no one gives a shit about that. She also feels as though she was pulled over many times because people were racially profiling her. I'm definitely sure of that. That makes her an easy target for police officers when they're punching in her license plate and they see all of these previous charges come up. So they're definitely going to pull her over one way or another. When it comes to the speeding side of things, what is her take on that? She had a huge fear of being pulled over in a vehicle when it came to police officers. I mean, hell, I can only imagine. I have a huge fear of being pulled over by police officers in the USA as well. Well, ironically, that is where you were also pulled over as well. It was extremely weird because he was trailing me and was scaring me because you could tell he was following me. He was only a few inches behind me. And the moment I made a mistake, according to him anyway, I went slightly over the line, just a quick second. And that was enough for him to pull me over and basically own me. He even told me to get out of the car and... I mean, he got me to sit in his vehicle. Now, obviously, I'm from Canada, so I have no idea, you know, what to do or not to do. And I just complied and I I shouldn't have, but I did anyway. Uh, He also had a police canine in the back that was barking in a like really scary way. And I was sleeping when Liz had initially got pulled over. I would just got done driving for 24 hours at this point. And so for me, I didn't even really understand what was going on because it took me a few seconds to like realize like what actually was going on. Otherwise, I would have been telling Liz to stay right in the car. I know how I felt. I can only imagine how Sandra felt in that moment. From what she shows me, she sped up a little bit, but it wasn't crazy. Not a need for speed type of thing. Maybe 5 to 20 kilometers over the limit when she was in a hurry or scared or 
just, you know, trying to get to work. But when it comes to the intoxication and drug possession, she says that in those moments, yes, she was in a very bad place in her life. And she does regret both of those decisions. She said she didn't know how to cope with her own life and she knows she could have hurt people while driving under the influence and she apologizes to everyone involved surrounding these incidences. She also feels as though she was definitely racially profiled which is why she got pulled over not because of her driving over a line or anything like that and that's her take on that as well. When people have substance abuse issues, yes, they should definitely not be making those types of choices and getting behind the wheel. But there's definitely a bigger issue there that needs to be treated with rehabilitation. They need to be able to find their way instead of being punished. You know, we should definitely do more to help them. Which does bring us to her traffic violation for the more recent situation that took place before her death. It indicates that she was stopped by a state trooper by the name of Brian. He pulled her over for a traffic violation on July 10th, and he was performing pretextual traffic stops. He had issued 1,600 minor tickets in less than 12 months. He began to follow Sandra in Prairie View, Texas, on the afternoon of July 10th, and accelerating fast on her rear. She changed lanes to give him the right away, believing that he was heading to an emergency call, which at this point is when he pulled her over on University Drive. He indicated that he was pulling her over for failure to signal a lane change, a series of events recorded by his dash cam along with bystanders and Sandra herself. He spoke to her in an interaction that became very heated. He pulled her from her car after they moved out of the frame and he forced her on the ground to arrest her. The video, by the way, and I highly recommend everyone taking a watch, disturbs me to no end. She pulled over and she was not causing any problems and he went and sat in his car for a while. He came back, of course, and he goes right up to her and says, you okay? You seem irritated. And she's like, I mean, yeah, I am irritated because I don't understand why you pulled me over in the first place. And then he asks her to put out her cigarette and she said, "Uh, this is my car. Why do I need to put my cigarette away? And uh, he said something like, are you done? And she was like, well, you asked me a question. I was answering it. And then he asked her to step out of the car. And she said she didn't need to step out of the car. He starts demanding her to step out of the car at this point. And then he proceeds to open the door. And she's telling him that she doesn't need to exit the vehicle. And she isn't wrong. She started telling him he didn't have the right to do that. And he said he did have the right to do that. And he will move her out of the car for her. He then proceeded to snatch her and she was telling him not to touch her and he does not stop at this point and he just keeps on going regardless of what's going on. I really don't understand why human beings think that they could just treat someone like this, like a dog. She is so heated as we talk about this and she shows me she had dealt with police officers before and in her vehicle multiple times over, but this guy was a typical state trooper who thinks that because he's angry, he's allowed to break the rules and the law and that he's above the law. And you can see that clearly through the footage. It is so disturbing to watch. I have nightmares of these types of things happening to me and how scared I am when a police officer pulls me over, regardless of how small the issue is. I automatically get super scared because you never know what's going to happen because you don't know who you're getting. It's mind blowing on how all this can take place. 
He then tells her that she's under arrest, and then he starts to call for backup. She continues to keep asking him what she is under arrest for. He doesn't answer her. He just continues to call for backup while pulling her out of the vehicle. He is completely submerged in her vehicle now at this point. He then tells her to get out of the car or he's going to light her up. So she gets out of the car even though she didn't need to. And for any of those people out there who do not know what light you up means, that means that he is going to shoot her. Obviously, in that moment, she starts to get out of the car and makes a call. And she says to him she's taking him to court and he starts telling her to get off the phone. Now, do I need to point out that she was scared? Of course she was. Obviously, regardless of how defensive she was becoming, she had every right to be. And she also had the right to contact a lawyer to assist her in the situation. She said that she felt a little safer with people around during the arrest. But as soon as she got taken away, she felt unsafe again. She said that that was when she was more scared than she had ever been. Once she was arrested in a very illegal way, her bond was set at $5,000. According to the statement from the jail officials, she had been given multiple opportunities to find someone who can post bond, including a man that she was staying with in Texas who at the time was apparently ignoring her calls. Her bondsman also made several attempts to secure a bond, Her family also later stated that they did attempt to secure at least 10% needed to secure her release. She says that she stayed in the jail with the most uncomfortable situation going on, and she also wants to note that there were some jail officials that didn't have any interaction with her during this time. She wouldn't say everyone caused a problem, but there were a lot of them that did, and a lot of things went down behind closed doors, and people do need to know about it. So that's what she wants to talk to us about today. They decided to release video showing her at various times during her jail stay, including arriving at the jail, having her mugshot taken, and making phone calls. They said that the footage was being released to dispel rumors and conspiracy theories, including that she was dead before she even arrived at the jail, and that her mugshot was taken after death. The judge went on to say, I quote, Because of some of the things that have gone out on social media, this county has been literally attacked. Maybe then don't do this to people. Right? I'm not really sure why these officials are surprised they have anything to say in the slightest because the officer had already crossed boundaries and then she died later on the jail cell. They should just keep their mouths shut at this point unless they're going to tell the truth. How can we trust anybody when this poor woman was arrested unlawfully and then died unlawfully? Absolutely. Police stated that at 6.30 a.m. on July 13th, Sandra refused breakfast and a half hour later told the jailer that she was fine. According to the captain, Brian Cantrell, about an hour after stating she was fine, Sandra asked via intercom how she can make a phone call. Cantrell stated that Sandra was informed that she could use the phone in her cell with a pin but stated that there was no record that Sandra had made any call. Sandra was found in a semi-standing position, hanging in her cell. Now, what does she have to tell us about this? First of all, that this conversation that took place did not happen. She shows me that from the day she got arrested until morning, she had been asking if she could get out. If any payments came through, what is going on? She wanted to know what was happening. She shows me she was silenced many times over. I was told to be quiet because I was causing too much ruckus. And I don't know what she had on her. Maybe there was a cup on the inside or something, but she was clinging something against the cell. 
and she was making a lot of noise, which was in fact irritating the police officers. She told the officers that she was hungry and they told her she could have breakfast in the morning. However, breakfast never came. She does say that at some point there was a question about a phone call, but it wasn't about making a call. It was about if they received a phone call. She's also telling me that there were several officers that had made comments to her, being pretty racist, pretty openly. She had made comments back to them, basically taking all their information, like their name, and they're saying, I'm going to be talking about you on my social media and letting everybody know what kind of jackasses you are and what's going on here. And basically, she told them she was also going to legally ruin them. And she was going to tell the whole world about them. And she was kind of making a bit of a mockery out of it. She had a market and she told them that everyone was going to listen to them. And I feel like this is the moment that these police officers had started to get scared. Did any of the officers hurt her? I keep seeing that there were three men, including Brian. They all look like white, angry men. So they all kind of look alike in their uniforms, if you ask me. She also shows me that there was some sort of correlation between this man who arrested her and also the other officers in the jail. It seems as though this guy was like the one who everybody followed. She shows me that one of them entered her cell, giving her the impression as though they were going to be releasing her. And as soon as she turned around, I believe that they choked her out and positioned it that basically she hung herself. She was not trying to kill herself. She was upset, yes. And she was upset in a I'm going to fight you kind of way, but she did not have the energy in any way to kill herself or anyone else for that matter. She didn't want to make any sort of escape from life at this point. She wanted justice and she would have never killed herself in this manner. She says that people have a hard time believing her because she was struggling a lot mentally and she did have a lot of mental health problems, but she said this was just not that time. I have a hard time with them indicating that it's a conspiracy theory, when in fact there is no conspiracy and these people need to take responsibility. Oh, obviously. She had made a lot of bad choices, but she's telling me that that does not make her suicidal, especially in that moment. She says, do you really think I would want to kill myself in a place that kills dreams? In a place that I have no personal connection to? It makes no sense. I would never have done that. She's showing me that these police officers did a real good job covering up and this is not their first time and it will not be their last cover up. She shows me that this is how it is, especially when you don't play by the rules. If she decided to sit there and be quiet and just take it, then she probably would have gotten released. But because she kept pushing it, she was killed. We all know that this is what happened. We all know that she did not willingly take her own life and that these police officers would never be held accountable. And from what she shows me, they were so much stronger than her. They had easily suffocated her, and she shows me that they used an object to do so. They did not use their hands. They even had gloves on. They wanted to make sure that there was no evidence anywhere. Probably used their nightstick. Good point. Which which makes sense, as the autopsy conducted that Sandra died through asphyxiation and classified her death as suicide. Police stated that Sandra had used a plastic bag to hang herself. The autopsy report shows that Sandra had multiple abrasions on her right side of her back, slightly abrased wrists, parallel cuts on her left forearm, and all of those came from her arrest. The person who conducted the autopsy probably got his lunch paid off that day 
to make sure that the death was classified as a suicide. She's telling me to tell you that is exactly what happened. They just made a little bargain chip and they were basically going to flip the case any way they wanted to. Anyways, the garbage bag was the only option that she could use. So from what she shows me, the garbage bag was definitely what they used to strangle her but she says it was easy. They just took it and wrapped it around her neck. She says, let everyone think about this for a second. Why in the hell would I make a statement about how I'm going to bring everybody down and bring justice for myself and then I kill myself? This was the first time sitting in a jail cell contemplating suicide. These men that kill people and, you know, go to jail, they get creative, She said she was not someone to sit there and learn the ropes of how to kill herself in a jail cell. That is a very good point. She is not a hard criminal and she was going to be leaving soon. So she was just angry and wanted to share her very illegal story and then get herself on TV to tell it. Sounds to me like they just had a motive. And that's what she wants me to show you guys. She wants you guys to believe her and that she did not do it. She wants everyone to understand that she knows that there are a lot of people that do kill themselves every day. And there is a lot of disbelief behind people's suicide. But this particular situation, there should be no belief. She said that they should keep on fighting. And not just for her case. She knows that everything has been pretty much washed away from her case. She's talking about cases to come and maybe some cases that are currently going on. She says that she should have kept her cool to kind of save her life. That's kind of how she feels. Definitely want to keep this story on blast. I want to share this story and hope that we can bring some justice in this particular location. These people got away with murder, basically, and nobody is looking at them. It's just disgusting. So... We need to be loud and we need to share this. Share this episode to as many people as possible. That is all she wants. She just wants everyone to know that she did not kill herself and wanted everyone to know that she would never have done it. She would have probably drank a bottle of tequila or something along those lines to kind of wash away the pain. But that's as far as it was going to go. And of course, she would have told the whole world. She says because she was very vocal, which is why she lost her life that day. These cover-up cases are more disturbing than ever to me. I really hope that she gets some justice one day. And she definitely needs that. And others like her. Is there anything else that she would like to add to this? She keeps showing me that this was planned out. Uh, They had come up with this idea late in the evening. Also, she shows me she was treated like an animal. And she shows me that the injuries she received should have never happened. They were making fun of her, mimicking her. They were laughing at her. She just wants her family to know that she's okay now. And she's not hurting anymore, of course. But she just wants everyone to keep fighting for her at this time. And talk about her and tell her story. And she says people still do that now. And it makes her happy. But she says continue to carry on. I am happy that we were able to cover this story today. Definitely something that was meant to be, and I'm glad that we were able to communicate with her. I'm glad that Sandra also gave us so much of the details that we were able to work with this case, and she deserves this justice, like I've said before. Absolutely. Sandra is a spirit that plans to stick around. She told me that there's going to be many cases like hers that will come my way, and she's going to help solve them day by day. So I don't have any issues that I I really appreciate her help glad we're gonna have Sandra on our side and thanks guys for joining in today 
Next week, we're going to be releasing the first episode of April, and that is going to be for Liz's birthday month, which was the first one on her list that she wanted to do is going to be the Prom Night Murders. It's a pretty intense episode as well, so can't wait to share that with you guys. Until next time, guys, stay freaked out.